you may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 27. John 14, verse 27. We are living in, ext- in extremely crazy times. Um, you know, I, that probably could be the understatement of the day or of the week or maybe the month or the year, but we're living in extremely crazy times. But just so you know, this isn't the only time in American history or in our own lives that we've lived in crazy times. Uh, we we are, have lived in crazy times before, and, and we've come through it. We're living in crazy times now, and we're going to come through it, and we're probably going to live in crazy times again, yeah. all right? And, and, and so many things right now in our lives, though, seem kind of up in the air. So many things seem oh, so uncertain, and we're trying to figure things out. Like, we're, we're actually trying to figure out what time the service actually starts at Amarillo Fellowship. <laughs> you know, is it 9.30? Is it 10 o'clock? Is it... 11.15, or is it for those of you that are a little time-free um, and, and that you're kind of typically running late, which, by the way, that's kind of an oxymoron because if you were running, you probably wouldn't be late in the first place. Is it, the, is it starting at 11.20, 11.25, 11.30, you know, service? They, they really are crazy times. And, and I have to tell you that even as a church, we're really trying to navigate all of the COVID-19 thing, and, and we're, we're trying to be, you know, uh, sensitive and aware to all the many changing things that are happening. We're, we're listening to the CDC. We're listening to the local government and state government. And we're, we're trying to really kind of get a read on getting people back into church. All right? Now, listen, you may feel differently about this than me, but I want you to hear this because we want to get back to having services where we gather together. The Word of God says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. And, and God did not create you and I to live in isolation. He didn't create you and I to be alone. In fact, while we're celebrating our independence today, the greater thing, being independent, the next step that is higher is actually being interdependent. When you can work with other people and you can allow people to speak into your life and rub rough edges off you. Because listen, when you, we get isolated, you're the only one listening to you. You're the, only, you're the only voice that you're hearing. And that's fine when you're doing well, But when you're not doing well and you're not thinking right or you're not speaking right, that is a recipe for trouble and fear to begin to enter into your heart. So I want to look at this passage in John chapter 14 because I believe that it's going to teach us how to live and how to keep our lives from being troubled. doesn't mean that we're going to not have trouble, but we can keep our lives from being troubled and keep our lives from being fearful. And in this passage, Jesus talking, and and it's a very significant night because this is the night that he's actually going to be betrayed. This is the night that he's about ready to go to the cross to lay down his life. These are his last words. So these words are incredibly important words. And here's what he said in John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be up here on the screen. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you, so let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus knows that he's leaving. He knows he's about ready to leave his disciples all to themselves, but he tells us about one of the greatest gifts that he is actually leaving behind for all of us, everyone that is here today, and it's his peace. See, our Lord Jesus is called the King of Salem, and Salem in Hebrew means peace. Jesus is the king of peace, or he is the prince of peace, and he always walked in peace. Jesus always walked in peace. You talk about people that had haters, Jesus had some haters, but he always walked in peace, and he was always in control. 
In fact, one time we find in the Bible, they actually tried to stone him. Now, in today's society, you got to understand, that's actually having rocks thrown at you. That's not the other stone him. They tried to stone him. But the Bible says that he walked out from in the midst of him, and no one could touch him. And, and while crossing the Sea of Galilee one time, a storm came up, but he was sleeping in the boat. A storm is raging around him, and he is sleeping in the boat. you got to understand, the storm didn't wake him. The devil's attack against Jesus never woke him, never shook him up. It had no power over Jesus. Only the cries of his disciples actually woke him up. Them yelling out, Master, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus is always in perfect control. He's always in control. In fact, let's say it together. Jesus is always in control. Try it again. Jesus is always in control. One more time. Jesus is always in control. So listen, when you're freaked out about some stuff going on, you're feeling, your emotions and feelings are going crazy, just start saying, Jesus is always in control. Jesus is always in control. You may not feel it in the moment. The more you say it, though, you'll actually begin to believe it. Okay, Jesus, you're in control. This hasn't surprised you. You knew before the foundation of the world I'd be dealing with this today. So Jesus is always in control. Listen, even in his death, the Bible says that no man took his life. He actually laid down his life as a sin sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus is always in control. And the reason why Jesus was always in control is because he always walked in peace. The shalom peace of God. He always walked in it. And even, even though the New Testament was written in Greek, Jesus would not have been telling this in Greek to his disciples because they were Jews. And because they were Jews, he would have been speaking to them in Hebrew. So when Jesus said this in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace. First of all, notice that it was his peace. It's not just any brand of peace. It's not peace that the world gives, but my peace. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And the Hebrew word shalom means wellness. Y'all got to catch this because we have a tendency to think of peace as something that actually isn't what God's saying to us. It's wellness. It's wholeness. It's completeness. It's peace in your heart. Peace in your mind today. Notice how I did that. Peace in your heart. Peace in your mind today. Peace, peace in your heart and peace in your mind. And while we have a tendency to think of peace as the absence of strife, to the Jew, shalom meant that every part of you is well. Every part of your body is well. Every part of your soul is well. Every part of your spirit is well. It means that the peace of God that, that God leaves with you is taking care of every part of your life. Are, are y'all are believers today? Now, let me say what I mean by that. Because you can be a child of God and not be believing about a lot of things that God has for you. You can surrender your heart and life to Christ saying, Jesus, be the late Lord and Savior of my life, and you are going to heaven. But if you're not a believer, meaning I'm going to choose to believe what your word says, not how I feel, you're going to live like hell on earth. That's why I see so many Christians worried and freaked out in this time. Now listen, we all deal with worry and we all kind of get off occasionally. We start saying the wrong thing. But listen, there's some people that are stuck and they've been stuck for three months. And all they're prophesying over their life is doom, despair, and agony on me. And they've got to recognize and understand that God is a God of peace today. So when Jesus said, shalom, I leave with you, not just any shalom, but my shalom, it's something powerful that God has actually given to you and I. 
as followers of Jesus Christ, but we've got to believe it. So Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He goes on to say, not as the world gives do I give to you. Again, this just isn't worldly peace. It isn't just the absence of strife. It is wellness, wholeness, completeness in every area of your life. It's, the, it's not the peace that you get through yoga. It's not the peace that you get through Pilates. Have y'all ever done those things? Those things are hard. It's, it's not the, the peace that you get through breathing techniques. And if you're a Seinfeld fan here today, it's not the peace that you get by declaring serenity now, serenity now. Y'all seen those before? Listen, this peace works in the middle of your storm. It, it works in the middle of people's negative opinions of you. It works in the middle of the challenges that you're dealing with. Listen, I'm not against exercise. In fact, I think it's a good thing. But postures and breathing and, and all, that stuff, all that stuff is good. I think those things are wonderful things to do. But those things are, are things we do to quiet our soul. To actually hear from God, to, to pull back from the busyness of life and hear what God's saying. They are not the source of our peace. Jesus is. And we got to stop running to those things and run to Jesus first of all. And the peace Jesus gives is more powerful and robust than worldly peace. Because it isn't dependent upon our circumstances. It's not dependent upon the situation that we're dealing with now. Because the devil, listen, you all know there actually is a devil, right? Right? The devil can affect your circumstances and your situations without your permission, but he has to have your permission to affect you. He has to have your permission to affect your heart. Let me say that again. The devil does not have to have your permission to affect your circumstances and your situation, but he does have to have your permission to affect you and to affect your heart. There may be a storm raging around you, but you don't have to let the storm get into your boat. That's why Jesus concluded this verse 27 by saying this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So notice that again, after Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, he goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So you're in church, Christians hear this, they hear, they know, okay, God, you, you've given me this peace, and they start wondering, if Jesus left me his peace, how come I don't have it, or how come I'm, it's not operating in my life? Yeah. They wonder, do I qualify for it? Yes. They wonder maybe, has my past sins or my current sins, have they, have they kept me from having this peace? No. But there is a part that we play. There's a responsibility that you and I actually have. See, sometimes we want to just leave all the responsibility with Jesus. Jesus, if you want my marriage to work out, let me leave the responsibility with you. Fix my wife. I know y'all have prayed that before too. Lord, Jesus, Lord, I, 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 want, I, want, I know that you want to bless me. So, Lord God, I'm trusting you. So, God, just let me win the lottery. That's why I'm scratching, sniffing one more time. I'm going to do it one more time. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's a part that you and I play to walk in the peace that actually Jesus left behind. And I believe that Jesus meant what he said. Let me give you another chance to amen that. I believe that Jesus meant what he said. But listen to this. Jesus cannot let not for you. Your family cannot let not for you. 
Your pastors cannot let not for you. Only you can let not for you. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Only you can guard your heart. People around you can help you. They can speak words of life to you. They can encourage you. But only you can let, guard your heart and let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Listen, I, I'm not unaware of what is happening in our world. I recognize that we're living in turbulent times. And I know that there have been and are events that are literally trying to shake the foundation of our lives. It, it's rocking some of our worlds. But, but listen, when that happens, many people forget to guard their hearts. When, when, the, when the foundation of their life being shaken, they forget to guard their hearts. They, they forget to, to take care. Instead of many, today, many people are guarding the wrong things in their life. Have you noticed that? There are many people that are guarding the wrong things in their life. They're guarding their finances. They're, they're guarding their finances. They're, they're guarding the stock market. They're guarding their, their careers. They're guarding their family. They're guarding their children. They're guarding their health. And Jesus doesn't tell us to guard any of those things. Are, they, are you saying they, they're not important to him? Oh, yeah, they're important to him. But I'm not guarding those things. I'm trusting Jesus with that. Listen, it, it doesn't tell us to, the thing that Bible tells you and I to guard is our heart. Really, Pastor Richie, is that in the Bible? Let me show you. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Another version ends this way. For out of it spring the issues of life. You and I are to guard our hearts. And what the devil wants to do is to try to get us to get our eyes off of the goodness of God. We got a challenge in our life. Let's get our eyes off the goodness of God. Just like Peter, when he got out of the boat, started walking on water. He had his eyes on Jesus, but then he began to look at the circumstances. That's when he began to sink. He wanted to get our eyes off or get our eyes off our righteousness in Christ Jesus. And try to get us our eyes on our circumstances and our problems going on around us so that our heart becomes troubled. So that our heart becomes afraid. But listen, when I guard my heart and keep a steadfast gaze upon the goodness of God... And remind myself of who I am as a child of God. I realize that every challenge that I'm going through, I'm going through. Listen, I know some of you are going through some stuff right now. But what you're going through, you're going through. And you're going to come out the other side victorious. You're going to come out the other side stronger than before. That's why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek first. Not second, let me try everything else first, and if it doesn't work out, then let me try Christianity. Come on, man, you know what? i got to be honest with you. We live in heart attack mode a lot of time. We do as followers of Jesus Christ. You know when people typically try to get healthy in their life? When they have a major health issue. You know what? Maybe I should start eating right. Maybe I should start exercising. And there's not anybody here today that hasn't heard, you need to eat right and you need to exercise. But sometimes until we get a heart attack that we actually do it, but we can prevent that by preparing ahead of time and we can prevent a lot of problems in our life by doing this but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and watch this and all these things not some of these things all these things will be added unto you listen when I'm seeking first the kingdom of God I'm in this process of knowing that God loves me perfectly 
And I know some of you get very challenged with that because you had parents that maybe didn't show unconditional love or, or didn't show love properly. But listen, you need to know that Jesus loves you perfectly today. That's why you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not, not my righteousness, not my self-righteousness, how well I can perform. I'm standing in right standing with God. That's why the, when that happens, that's why the Bible says that all of these other things... The circumstance I'm dealing with, the challenge I'm facing, all these other things are going to be added unto you. So if I will guard my heart from letting it being troubled and afraid, God says he's going to guard everything on the outside. And how many of you recognize you can't control the economy? You, you can't control your boss at work or your employees at work. And you can't even control your kids. And you definitely can't control your spouse. Amen. So if we will guard our hearts, seek first the kingdom of God. God, it's all about you. God, I'm going to stay focused on you. And his righteousness, then God will guard everything else and all these things will be added unto you. Listen, man, that's such a relief for us today. Man, I hope you walk out of here today going, man, that, that understanding alone is worth it all. Because I don't have to worry about my finances. Doesn't mean I'm not going to get up and go to work. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to be smart, but I don't have to worry about it. Because this church has never been my source of income. Let me say that again. They're the ones that pay me, but this church has never been, never will be my source of income. God is my source of income. So I don't have to worry about my fi finances. Listen, I don't have to worry about my family. I don't. I don't have to worry about, okay, God, oh, what do I need to do to make, I don't have to worry about my children. And in my case, I don't have to worry about the church you know what I have to do? I have to guard my heart. I got, I got to be careful what I'm letting go in here. That's why we encourage you all the time to speak words of life. Because listen, if you'll get in a habit of doing that, you'll get home when you're doing it. Instead of speaking all the ugly things that are happening in the world or things that are happening in your family or marriage, instead of speaking those things, you're just going to speak what the Word of God says. And it's not because we're, we're holier than thou. It's just simply we've made a decision. We're going to get on the path of life. Listen, people make foolish decisions because of, because of a troubled or fearful heart. They do. And many of you are going, oh man, that's me, right? People make wrong decisions because of a fearful or troubled heart. People are driven to do things that they normally wouldn't do under peaceful circumstances. But they do them because they have a fearful or a troubled heart. I'm telling you, when it comes in, it jacks with you and you get blindsided, you get a little punch drunk and suddenly right seems wrong and wrong seems right. But listen, if you will guard your heart from letting, from letting it be troubled or letting it be afraid, I'm telling you, God's going to take care of everything else. I wish I could say it was going to be easy and simple and just, you know, problem-free, but it's not. But God's going to take care of everything else. And have you, have you ever noticed that what troubles other people a lot of times doesn't trouble you? I mean, sometimes they're freaking out about stuff and you're like, seriously? But have you ever noticed that what troubles you sometimes doesn't trouble other people? Again, that's why we need each other. Because, man, when I'm walking through something that jacks with me, because the devil knows our hot buttons, he, he kind of knows those things, those things that cause us to be troubled or afraid. So when we begin to have some, invite some people into our life and let them speak life to us, going, hey, look, 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 I know, I know you're worried about that financial, or I know you're worried about the kid, I know you're worried about your marriage, but listen, God's got this. God's got this. We, we learn to guard our hearts. We do, and, and it's something you have to learn how to do, and then it's something you have to practice all the time. So how do, we, how do we guard our hearts from being troubled and afraid? 
It's actually pretty simple. Not, 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 not necessarily easy, but, it, but it's pretty simple. We stand in confidence, first of all, in God's love and righteousness. I'm telling you, there's some of you that, man, I've talked about God loving you perfectly for years and you still struggle with it. In fact, the moment you have a bad thought, the moment you have a wrong behavior, and just show of hands in all honesty today, how many of you this past week did something wrong or thought something wrong? Some of you are lying today. How many in the last two days have said something or done something? How many maybe just today have said something or thought something wrong? We, people are pointing at one another. We got to start standing in confidence of God's perfect love for us. He loves us in our best moments and he loves us in our worst moments. And once we begin to do that and we begin to understand that we're righteous because of what Jesus has done, that you can't get any more righteous than you are right now, we start only speaking what the Word of God says about us. And the enemy is going to come in and say, you know what, you don't qualify for that. You don't, you don't, you're, you're not good enough. You, we have to stand in God's love and stand in His confidence. So whenever trouble comes to our heart or you begin to fear fearful, you just have to say that verse, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know that when you begin to speak the word of God like that, you actually release the fulfillment for that verse? Because the word of God is active and alive. That's why, that's why our secular society is so adamantly trying to make the Bible just some great historical book. I'm telling you, the Bible is the word of God and it is active and alive. Jesus defeated the devil by quoting the word of God. He kept saying, it is written, it is written. So whenever trouble or fears starts coming in your life, you just start declaring, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In fact, guys, can you put that up on the screen? I want us to all say that together a few times, if you would, out loud. To say it together, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Say it again. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. One more time. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Think for just a moment about something that the devil has been trying to get you worried about. What was Christians get you concerned about, right? Because we, we, we disguise our fear and worry as, well, I'm just concerned about it. Hey, think about it for just a moment. Guys, throw it back up there on the board. Think about it for just a moment. Maybe for you, it's, it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's something going on in your marriage. Maybe it's because we haven't had a hailstorm yet this year. We've got a few roofers in, the, in our thing. Maybe it's just something in, going on in your industry that's kind of freaking you out. Let's say it together. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You got a kid going crazy. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You got a financial issue you're dealing with. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You got a physical sickness trying to attack your body. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you do that, there's an effect on your heart. In fact, when you start speaking words, it starts changing your heart because you are voicing the words of Jesus. His words have power that affect your heart. So again, the moment you begin to feel troubled about stuff, it's not God. The, the moment you begin to be fearful of stuff, and sometimes we think of fear as maturity. I'm just so mature about my finances, I'm worried about them. You have to say it over your life. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Just start declaring the word of God. 
And I'm telling you, it's why we've got to know the Word of God. It's why we show up to church, why we get in a small group, why we go through the growth track, why we get up in the morning to spend a little time in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, reading a devotional, praying. Because we've got to be able to declare the Word of God. Because when you do that, all of a sudden, the peace of God starts flowing in your life. I can't tell you how many times there's been a challenge in the church that's come financial issue, a staffing issue, a, a, a group of people issue, whatever it is, and the enemy starts whispering in my ear, and I can feel trouble starting to come up. I can't tell you how many times I just start declaring, God, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God, I thank you today that you're for me, and if you're for me, who can be against me? I start declaring the word of God, and I'm telling you, all that heaviness, that weight, that oppressive spirit of the enemy just starts falling off of you. It is, it is amazing. And suddenly, listen, you're going to be reminded by the Holy Spirit how perfectly God loves you. You're going to remember again, yeah, God, you do know where I'm at. And you're going to remember what it means to be a child of God. So let me close today by giving you just a couple of verses that you might want to write down. You might want to memorize from Romans chapter 8. Again, there's so many amazing promises in the Word of God. Here's the first one. It, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and we know, we know, I don't know that yet, Pastor Richie. I'm telling you, if you start saying this, reading this, declaring this over your life, you're eventually going to know because God's going to start speaking to you about it. And we know that some things, no, all things work together for good. To who? To those who love God. I don't know if I love God enough. You do love God enough. You wouldn't be here on 4th of July weekend if you didn't love God enough. For those who love God and to those who are called according to to his purpose. Listen, if you've given your life to Christ, I want you to understand you're a child of God and you, the love of God is in you and you have been called according to purpose today. One more, verse 31 says this, what then shall we say to these things? All the things going on around us, the, the, the unrest around us, the, the COVID-19 issues, maybe a financial issue, marriage issue. What shall we say to all of these things? Here's what we say. If God is for us, put your own name in there. If God is for Richie, who can be against me? If God is for us, who can be against us? You got to believe that God's for you. Again, that goes back to understanding the love of God. Because if you don't understand how perfectly God loves you today, you'll always wonder, God, are you really for me? I'm telling you today, God is for you. He's for you. He didn't die a horrible death to not be for you. And he died so that he could take away all of your sin, the noun. You're free from sin. Yeah, do I sin occasionally? Yes, but you are still righteous today. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And if he's for you, who can be against you? No one, no thing. Doesn't mean the storm isn't going to be around us. It means we're simply making a choice to not let the storm get into our boat. We're going to walk in the freedom. That's what we're here today celebrating. We're going to walk in the freedom that God actually has for us today by walking in the fullness and wholeness of life, by embracing the shalom peace of God. But I'll tell you, you have a responsibility. You have to take hold of that which Christ has already taken hold of for you today. So I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask you about you.